Hey there, and thanks for coming back. Before you settle in to listen to this episode, just know that it is part two of a vastly helpful conversation that Andy and I had with friends and professional counselors Lee and Alina. Since this is a continuation of our prior discussion, you'll notice that we jump right in. While much of the content in this episode stands on its own, it might serve you best to listen to the prior episode to get some context for where we start. Welcome to It's Not About the Money, a podcast in search of grounded fundraising. I'm Heather, and together with my co-host Andy, we look beyond the quick tips and formulas. Join us as we explore the nuance and complexity of ministry fundraising. If you want to thrive in partner development, not just survive it, this is the place for you. There are different ways of approaching fundraising, and in some ways you can kind of like leave your emotion at the door and just like do the right things, right? Make the calls, make the ask, mm. follow up. It's just... Go through the motions Yeah, go through the motions. These are the essential things. Yeah. Like you're... If you feel a negative emotion, like you need to apply some scripture to it and just push through. But I think the invitation I hear from you guys is like, there's a reason, and you know, this is what we suspect, like there's a reason that that emotion is coming up or that obstacle seems so big to you. And so you're just reminding people to, instead of trying to shut it down, maybe just be more curious, like you said. And and I guess that brings me to just a question on emotion. You know, we are designed, like it's part of our makeup to have emotions, yet they have such a negative connotation. What do you guys think is like a balanced way to view emotions? We've heard they don't drive the bus, but yeah. how do you? I think okay. Alina will have a lot to say on this, um, but I want to just start with uh, the way I look at it from a clinical perspective. And I think Alina will agree, like not to look at these reactions, these these anxieties, whatever they are, as, as a pathology or a dysfunction, mm. but really looking at it as, as an important part of who you are. And it's really trying to communicate to you that there's, there's something deeper going on. Yeah. And, and if you're just to, to be curious and play a detective to some, some degree to really just, yeah, just view it as, as a blessing in disguise to really be able to look at something deeper that God's trying to show you in a way that he's trying to grow you emotionally and spiritually. Emotions are tricky, aren't they? Because <laughs> they are so powerful. Mm-hmm. They carry yeah. a lot of physical energy with mm-hmm. them. And we mm-hmm. all feel them somewhere in here, in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Except Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel nothing. <laughs> in a mental health counseling setting, all emotions are valid. And to the best of our abilities, we try to create space for people to experience and feel all their emotions. Emotions carry a lot of information. If we didn't have our emotions, we would be missing a huge part of life. Mm. For sure. I mean, it would just not be there, and we would probably more feel like robots. Uh, But saying that, even though emotions are valid and they carry information, they're not always factual. Mm. Mm. So the information does not always mean that what you feel is true. Right. Like an example, when some of my clients are so attached to their negative thoughts, like really self-hatred thoughts, and I ask them, how do you know that it's true? They will say, but it feels so right. Mm. <laughs> right. How and can it's it be so- wrong if it feels right? Right. And so nothing. Or if I feel it strongly. Mm. Yeah. Right. And if 
if it doesn't feel, then it can be right. Mm. Hmm. Um, hmm. And so in a lot of ways, there's always an invitation to, as Lee was saying, to play detective and to be curious about them, befriend them, but also know unless we hold on to them, because we can either suppress them or really hold on to them in a way where we keep feeling the same emotion Mm -hmm. over and over and over Mm -hmm. again indefinitely, they have a pretty short life cycle. Mm -hmm. Like it will come, spike, and then it will go down. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, it would take awareness to notice that. And so that's where noticing what is happening in our bodies comes in really handy. Because mm-hmm. most of our emotions, it will start out as, as sensations. We have to go to our bodies to be able to identify that we are feeling. Like if I ask Heather, how do you know when you're sad? Mm-hmm. How would you answer that question? I think I would probably say something like, I start to feel heavy, like something feels heavy on my shoulders. Right. Yeah. It's usually people say something about, oh, it hurts in my heart. It starts out by describing a physical sensation. Right. And then our brain interprets that or translates that into an emotion. Right. Yeah. So another really common feeling that we've talked about a bit, but that I want to focus in on is anxiety. You know, whether it's around our performance or our acceptance, rejection, not being funded, whatever it's, I guess, centered around. What are some tools that you guys would put forward for working through anxiety? My typical approach is starting encouraging people to look at anxiety from a different perspective. Anxiety is not just worrying. Like Jesus was saying, don't be anxious about anything, which in some ways implies thinking. Most people, even if there are thoughts following after that worrying thoughts, most people experience anxiety in their bodies. It will always be somatic. Increased heart rate, pit in your stomach, sweating, maybe mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a hot flush. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are very somatic responses. And what happens in that moment is when, for whatever reason, fundraising is hard and people have to put themselves out there. It's a state of vulnerability mm-hmm. and vulnerability never, ever feels great. Mm -hmm. There are some exceptions with a really safe person, but in fundraising, you will encounter people that you're not super familiar with. And so when that happens, our nervous system sympathetic branch will go into an activated state. And if it goes higher than just what it's needed to get things done, anxiety will be a very typical outcome to that. And my invitation to people is to use a different language around it because Mm. the way we talk matters. We can talk about, oh, I feel anxious. I don't trust God. Uh, Nobody wants to support me. I can't do this. This is too much. So those are all thoughts. But can a person slow down enough to be curious and say, oh, my nervous system is activated? Mm. It doesn't mean anything else. It's just a really challenging time right now. I feel vulnerable and my nervous system branch is activated and I feel anxious. Yeah. And then we can bring in tools to regulate that, to bring down the nervous system, to allow for it to go more into a ventral space. And there are multiple ways how we can do that. 
Yeah, I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about how breathing is just like a God-given gift and tool for bringing our body back Hmm. into a place of calm. Is that, would you recommend different breathing? There's different breathing. So there will be different breathing techniques for aroused, activated state and different breathing techniques for a shutdown state. Okay. Interesting. Um, Just based on physiologically what happens when we go to one or the other. Um, And people can Google them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, for... What's the key term they should Google? For a aroused state, activated uh, sympathetic state, four to six breathing is helpful. Um, Breathing through closing one of your nostrils and then another one, alternating, Mm. um, that Mm. will help with bringing down the activation. Mm. Um, If people don't want to Google that and they don't want to follow like a script or (laughs) instructions, extending your breath and deepening your breath will also be helpful. And as a person is doing that, it is also important to keep inviting yourself away from the thoughts. Because we can breathe and we can still think all our worrying <laughs> thoughts. Right. And inviting yourself to noticing how the air is entering your lungs, the expansion, the rib cage expanding, the muscles around it. And doing that for 10 minutes, depending how intense the anxiety is. Also movement, mm. because anxiety carries a lot of energy. And so shaking, starting with shaking your hands, you can turn on music and dance to it mm. uh, shaking out to your, going back to shaking your hands go then for a walk go for a walk but it is also the trick whatever you do you need to bring yourself to the present moment mm. instead of going back to oh i'm gonna keep thinking about this mm. and i'm gonna keep adding all the narratives that are now popping up and i'm viewing my present situation through those lenses. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah. And if people go to a shutdown, which oftentimes could translate into feeling really overwhelmed, oh, I can't look at it, I'm just not going to do it, avoidance, Mm. um, inability to focus, people can start feeling like dizzy or sluggish. Is it almost like a panic attack? Um, A panic attack will most likely go to, um, not most likely, but it will be activated state and the fogginess will feel differently. For a shutdown state, freeze response, it will be more like dissociative, like everything kind of gets like, if you imagine swimming through jello, (laughs) maybe that's too thick. Pudding, maybe pudding. (laughs) But everything kind of can get muffled, whereas in a panic attack, it can get really staticky. And in some ways, the world can get muffled, but inside can get really loud. Mm -hmm. And so there are certain breaths like breath of joy, breath of fire um, that people can Google because I'm not going to demonstrate that here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fair. Um, And those types of breathing will increase blood flow. Um, They will allow for the person eventually to come out from the shutdown freeze response. 
Is it also possible if somebody is feeling overwhelmed by this, that they would, they would look to other things that would distract them and give them a feeling of accomplishment if they can't, if they're so overwhelmed by, by doing this. So they might go and work on other little tasks that give them kind of a hit of dopamine and say, okay, I'm, I'm good. At, I'm successful. I've completed something today, but they've pushed fundraising off to the side still. Absolutely. As long as they're back their mind, they don't keep going back. Otherwise, there's no separation. And part of you stays always in that mm -hmm. state. So if you want to go and distract yourself and using something that's healthy, that's maybe fulfilling, inspiring, yeah. there's always invitation. You have to bring your whole person. Right, in you can't the present like, keep moment. ruminating on. Right, it yeah. has to be in the present moment because we can only regulate ourselves in the present moment. What does that mean? So don't keep stewing on it? Don't keep stewing okay. on it. Don't run through your head uh, with scenarios. Uh, don't imagine the future. Mm -hmm. So wherever you are at and whatever you are doing, like what's your favorite thing to do that's relaxing? Basketball. So just really focusing on playing basketball, focusing on the ball, like yeah, what it feels easy. like in your hand, like the force that with dribbling that happens. Yeah. Who yeah. do you need to take the ball away from? <laughs> but don't distract yourself with something that's not as helpful. Yeah, don't use a numbing behavior. Sure, yeah. I guess, you know, in general, maybe not in the moment, like Alina said, um, but... Um, kind of something to maybe to focus on whatever the reaction is. Um, it could be later, but uh, I'd like to kind of start with kind of some grounding that really helps you kind of focus inward. Just kind of, it's pretty simple. It's called four by four breathing. It's just, it's four seconds in, four seconds out. Mm -hmm. So four, four seconds of inhaling, four seconds of exhaling, and then you do it four times. Sometimes I lose count. It's okay if you do more. Uh -huh. It's helpful if you have a stopwatch. Oh, yes. Um, but that really helps me kind of get in the moment, and, but then also it helps me focus inwardly. And then you can uh, kind of do what Alina talks about and, and really focus on maybe some somatic physical symptoms you have. You can also even maybe... For some people, that, that's kind of challenging. They don't really feel anything at the moment. Um, so another way is maybe to think of like those thoughts or whatever it is. Do they have a certain tone of voice? Like you might not actually hear audible sounds like you are stupid. You're not going to complete this. Mm -hmm. They You looked ridiculous when you asked them for money, whatever it is. But usually you can sense a tone. Is it harsh? Is it soft? Like almost like a a whisper, um, like a weak whisper. Is it scared, angry, you know, things like that. And, and then kind of like I mentioned before, just becoming curious about this, whatever you're experiencing, those, those symptoms and, and really to, to figure out like, how is, how is it trying to help me short term? Because usually these things are like, they are trying to help in a short term. They're trying to to ignore or avoid something, okay. some danger, like the danger of being abandoned or failing or losing control. Rejected. Rejection. Yeah, yeah. all those things. And so that's kind of where that curiosity comes in to where we want to 
just learn more about your story and learn about some whatever it is it kind of the Lord's trying to teach you through these mm-hmm. um through this anxiety um because God does want you to raise support but but really just just kind of looking at it from a curious perspective and not hating those those symptoms but really using them as a tool and, and almost like a trailhead to where you can go and mm-hmm. find something deeper inside that hmm. that needs work on that needs healing and that oftentimes happens easier with the regulated nervous system state mm, yeah uh, and i just i mean it's i learned a year ago that when we are activated or we have all these emotions and sometimes very intense emotions. And a lot of therapists, and I myself have done it too, well, where do you feel that in your body? The typical question that comes around these days. Hmm. But when we do just go to emotions in an activated state, and it can be either going up or down, um, with emotions come memories, experiences, and Hmm. very many stories in there, and we can actually get stuck in there. Mm, yeah. And so okay. as Lee was saying, with the four to four, uh, and I would actually encourage people to build it a little bit more extended. Five by five. Five six by five. Six. Apparently Americans breathe way too much. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the breathing. I'll take ha- that as a compliment. I mean, out of, out of all of our problems, yeah, that's not a bad one. <laughs> it's actually really bad. Oh, it's is bad, it? It's too bad. much breathing. Okay. An average American breathes 18 breath cycles a minute, and the optimal is 5.5. Because if you breathe too much, first of all, it comes in and out. Your brain can't doesn't have the time to absorb oxygen at all. You you should run more. Right. Okay. Take singing singing lessons, like really lots of things to improve. Lung capacity Uh determines how long you're going to live. Lung capacity. Yep. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So Mm. sing more opera. Right. That's what we're getting at. That's what I, I did hear not you say that. <laughs> you can edit that out. I did yeah. not say it. Yeah. But going back to the, uh, as Lee was saying, that four, four by four, four by four, extending it even longer. And once a person can notice, okay, now I feel a little bit calmer, a little feel a little bit more present in whatever the physical environment at that moment is, then going proceeding into exploring these narratives because then there's a detachment happening between the emotions and the somatic and we can explore and see things a lot clearer when we are regulated. Andy and I often talk about how the fundraising season is really a preparatory season for ministry in that it you know it forces you to see that your obedience matters and that it matters to depend on and trust yourself to the Lord for what only he can provide but i guess from our conversation today it's just clear to me that anybody entering the fundraising season should probably also be ready to have some other work outside the work of raising funds that they're working on right a work of understanding themselves and really to the end of making them effective in ministry also yeah. I know we had asked you guys to maybe give our listeners some homework, maybe provide some some resources or some direction on how they could be a good steward of these things they're learning about themselves. Because it's one thing just to listen to us and just say, yes, I agree with all that stuff. Oh, that's interesting. But then just do nothing with it or just move on to the next episode. Yeah. So I guess going back to what I mentioned before about the the financial classrooms you maybe grew up in, just yeah. really just taking 
you know, 20, 30 minutes to, to just think about uh, your own story and, and really kind of think about, you know, was it one or two different classrooms you grew up in and, and maybe even think about what are some of the challenges How's that going to affect me now because mm-hmm. of my past? And remind uh, us the, the classrooms again. Classrooms again were the first one's anxious, the second one's unstable, the third is unaware, and then the fourth is a secure one. Mm. And the secure really is is if you look at it in a quadrant, you know, with an X and a Y axis, like openness as opposed to closeness, and but also a regulation of emotions as opposed to unregulated, okay, heightened, yeah, yeah. And on that note, I also would like to add that all of these stories can be written. Mm. People are not locked into them. Mm. Amen. And regardless what classroom a person has grown up in, that can change because we're all wired for security. We're all capable of fostering that, and we're all capable of healing and changing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and part of that too, that's really good, is is thinking about the maybe some tendencies that you can change and, and kind of rewrite in your story and and make a new mold for your family, break break mm. some of the old mm. uh, molds. Yeah. Well, that's the question. I'll ask the question that all the parents listening are wondering is how do I establish that that classroom for my kids that safe and healthy? Like what do, what do I need to do? How does that what does that look like? Work on your attachment. Okay, what does that mean? Because essentially the classrooms, it will go back to your attachment. Hmm. Um, to money or to people? To anything. Hmm. Because, I mean, the classrooms mostly sound like almost like attachment styles too. But security, if, if a parent can give secure attachment adaptation to their children, that is the second best thing after Jesus that they can give to their child. Hmm. And would that be like attunement? Attunement, being seen, security, safety. I probably would have to email you (laughs) about the book. Uh, Dan Anderson talks a lot about attachment and what that looks like. And as Lee was talking about the secure classroom, right, there is not an overreaction to things. It's almost like calmness, but it is also openness, Mm. which also would include if there are times when we're struggling with money, Okay, we're struggling with money right now, but we we know we will be able to handle it. We will figure it out. This is not the end of the world. We don't have to create secrets around it. And doesn't mean that we're bad people or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. Yeah. And I guess there's some other general practices. I think this has been influential in my like spiritual life, and, and it's really kind of it's from Peter Schizero's uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. But just the idea of of starting to to kind of exercise the muscles of sharing my present emotions with God hmm. through writing, hmm. writing them down. I feel like that that kind of bolsters that they exist. That I see the words I just wrote. Hmm. I made them with the pencil. They're valid. They are heard, and really just kind of living in that reality of your emotional state. And and I think reality, living in reality is a very firm biblical idea, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just being in reality. And we've, we've Truth. really, yeah. really grown to, to not to try to ignore our reality. And I think we can even do like the somatic as well, like writing to God about 
I feel this way. I feel it in my shoulders. I feel it in my stomach, mm-hmm. wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And really, that's just, I think that's that's helped me in my relationship with God, but also my relationship with my body and my emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because God has given us this body after all. And mm-hmm. the way it's created, mm-hmm. according to the Bible, it's fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. So our body is not our enemy. Our body is there to help us the same way our brain is here mm-hmm. to help us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always come out conveniently for us. Mm-hmm. But befriending these parts of ourselves mm-hmm. can be so, so life-changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and maybe another one is is talking to safe people. And what I mean by safe people is people that don't try to fix your problems for you. Right. Mm-hmm. People that will just you know, listen and reflect back to you. Because I'm a firm believer in like when we take things out of our mind and, and say it, it, like mm. it brings it to light. It's like, you know, yeah. like skeletons are only scared if, if the lights are off. But once mm. you turn the lights on, once you say things and you hear it, it loses a lot of the, the fear power I sure. think it has. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But, it, but you definitely they have to be safe people. Mm-hmm. Um, to share with, yeah. um, and and sometimes you know, like the wanting to fix others' problems, you know, that's that's just a way of controlling and manipulating people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one to just kind of look out for is is only share with people that can just listen and reflect. Yeah, yeah, and I think to that idea, you know, we we talk about the concept of a core team, a team of people that are there for you that are committed to to seeing God's purposes succeed in what He's called you to, and I think that. It would really be helpful to identify if there are even people on your core team that are that kind of person, right? A safe person to be known and to be seen and to be vulnerable in that way. And then, of course, a professional counselor, I think, can be a really helpful resource for some people, you know, because like you said, Alina, there is some work people can do themselves to to be more aware, to notice, like, what is happening in my body? Why could that be? But especially if that question leads back to, something that was deeply painful or traumatic, that might be something you want to unpack with with somebody who's trained in understanding the ways you've developed in life that don't actually help you now, that helped you then or something. I think I would like to add um, that therapist is not going to be a doctor where you go and the doctor gives you a diagnosis and then gives you a prescription for antibiotics. You take it for 10 days and you're done. You go to a therapist and... Just because somebody's a therapist doesn't mean they are going to be a good fit for you. Mm, yes. And so as a client, I encourage and you have the right to ask questions to make sure, is this person capable of going where you would need them to go with you? Like, can they comfortably bring in faith and hold space for that? And also, are they going to come alongside in a clinically sound way uh, but also in a way that works for you um, on your journey. This the relationship between clients and therapists. They can, and eventually they become very deeply intimate because there is so much shared that a lot of people are not going to share outside of the therapy room. Hmm. Um, and so, asking questions and knowing that therapist is not going to tell you what to do. They're going to give you education. 
They will ask you questions. They will offer resources. But it is the client's responsibility to find a way how they want to own their journey. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And I like what you were saying earlier, Alina. And I think it, maybe we just need to acknowledge that fundraising through the challenge that it presents could really force us into a season of formation, mm. a season of growth uh, that maybe we wouldn't have experienced otherwise. Yeah. And I think even Lee spoke to that a bit in saying that there's actually opportunity here in recognizing these things like opportunity for growth. Yeah. And also, I guess, as for people on the field, the health of their support is really a positive correlation to how helpful they can be on the field because they're not going to be totally there mm. if they're worried about money. Right. They're not going to be able to help their team. There's going to be conflict on the team about where do we go eat? I can't afford that. Right. Um, things like that. And then really just... Yeah, I think just their overall emotional and, and spiritual health. Obviously, it's also going to affect the longevity of your ministry mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely, because what is not healed, we keep reenacting it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going to happen over and over and over again. It will come out in relationships, in work life, and on the field. There's work, but there's a lot of relationship. Yes. Happening. (laughs) That is the work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times. (laughs) Yeah. And just going back a little bit, I'm a firm believer that any experience can be a growth. Mm. Even going through trauma, we can go through also post-traumatic growth. Mm. Mm -hmm. Hopefully Mm -hmm. fundraising isn't too traumatizing. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. But it can be scary. It can be scary. Yeah. Yes. Well, so Lee, Lee, give us the the homework again. So it's it's look at the the four quadrants that we talked about. Kind of do some some processing. Maybe even do some journaling. Yes. Kind of reflect on what are some emotions that come up. Yeah, I, I think journaling's really really powerful. Just because you you think about it, then you write it, and um, you see it there. It's 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 valid, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you're an external processor, find a really good friend who's going to be listening. Mm, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Yeah, which I think tied to his other piece of homework was to find safe people mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. with. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. And if anyone is interested in the somatic and the nervous system, just Googling polyvagal theory, Stephen Porges. He was the one who, a long time ago, I think 30 years ago, found the connection between mm-hmm. our emotional mm-hmm. states and our uh, phys- physical states. Mm. What was and, the name of the book again? Uh, it's Polyvagal Theory. That's a pretty heavy-loaded... <laughs> yeah, can you spell, uh, spell that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll link it in the show notes. Poly oh, okay. is like multiple and vagal because mm-hmm. the vagal nervous branch, it's the biggest nerve in our body. It's also mm-hmm. called the wandering nerve. Mm-hmm. It goes into... All the major organs. Interesting. Yeah. It's like has hands and everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why that's why my stomach tightens. Yeah. Yes. When I get nervous. Yes. During, mm. And yeah, you know watching they, watching football games. Right. The anticipation, <laughs> yes. you're activated. Are you gonna need to jump Ar- in and win yeah. for them? Arkansas Ragebacks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just Google it. There are so many YouTube videos where it's a lot simpler than just reading the book. But if you want to read the book, go ahead. 
Yeah. And I mentioned um, Rachel Cruz, her book, uh, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, and then Peter Scazzaro's Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Mm -hmm. And then Dan Allender uh, on his narrative. Mm -hmm. So your homework is also to find those books and read them. Absolutely. Yeah. And then write reports. And then, yes, and it's a report. <laughs> yeah, you and can email it to Heather. Email it to Heather <laughs> Winchell at Provisia. <laughs> That's great. Well, we so appreciate you guys taking the time to come in studio mm. with us, which is exciting, yeah. and just share of your experience and your expertise. So thank yeah. you. Okay, guys. So we always ask one question at the end of every episode. If you had $10,000 right now and you had to give it away today, who or what would you give it to? So I would actually, I hope this is a correct answer. I would, my <laughs> wife and I would like to bring the money with us, oh. go to um, a missionary team somewhere and then bless them, like take them out to eat, take them to a resort for a few days. Hmm. And um, that would be the way I would like to use that money. Nice. Yeah. Yes. So. Plane tickets, plane lobster. tickets, lobster, like yes. yeah, sushi, like all lavish, lavish, lavish Oh man, yes. I'm glad I know you. Uh, well, if I was given the money, and I would have to give it away, <laughs> which probably makes it <laughs> it's easier. A condition, yeah, it's yeah. A condition. You know, condition sometimes makes things easy. I don't have to make a decision. Yeah, cut that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, considering wh where I'm from, I would probably send it all to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so they can buy whatever they need to be able to get through the blackouts and yeah, clothes for kids. And I know a lot of people, I don't know, getting through the winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, it's been awesome to have you here with us. Thank you for taking the time and um, delving into a really deep subject that I hope it's going to be helpful. I think it will be helpful to our listeners. Yeah, there was a lot of potential rabbit trails. But we did pretty good. I, I think, think we did really good. Yeah, I we did. I'm I don't think us. I went down a single one. Yeah. Go team. It's Not About the Money is presented by Provisio Fundraising Solutions. Provisio equips support-based workers with flexible training, practical resources, and one-on-one -on -one coaching. Find out more at provisiofundraising.com.